In 1996, Chris Carter followed up The X-Files with the darker, arguably more sophisticated series, Millennium. Fans yearning for Frank Black's heroic return can revisit past nightmares and see glimpses of a hopeful future in the new feature-length documentary, Millennium After the Millennium. Villain Media affirms the documentary establishes how relevant the former Fox series still is to society. UK Film Review says Jason D. Morse creates an enthralling documentary. Screen critics calls it an absolute must-see, featuring new interviews from Lance Henriksen, Chris Carter, Frank Spotnitz, and many more. Millennium After the Millennium is available now at thetimeisnowmm.com. This is who we are. I've seen things people wouldn't believe. Baby, I don't care. Have a drink. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Didn't do it. Why not? The whole thing's been wrong from the beginning. I feel dirty. Is there anything I can do? Please, Dix, can't you relax for a second? My name is Nep, Walter Nep. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. He's looking at you, kid. Yesterday, this would have meant so much to us. Now it doesn't matter. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo-noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up-and-coming directors and writers of new neo-noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. I got both of them. Yay! There we go. All right, so uh, episode number eight. We're on episode number eight, and I know, damn, I don't know why I have, I can't, I have this issue where I have to say what the episode number is, even though I think we established on the last one that we don't have to have episode no. numbers. No. Yeah. So I mean, we just have titles, right? Um, yeah. Of the movie. <clears throat> um, but before we get into our movie today. Um, we are going to talk about what our cocktail of the night is going to be. All right. Well, I'm excited. You're not, though, because there's no gin in it. Ah. I know you better than that. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's called a Cape Cotter. A what? Cape, Cape Cotter. I don't know. Cape Never heard Cotter. Of Cape, like Cape Fear, Cape Cotter. Cape Codder, Codder. as in like cod. Cod, Codder, C-O-D-D-E-R. Is this a fish drink? I don't know. I'm about to find out here. All right, so the drink for tonight is a Cape Codder. It's one and a half ounces of vodka, three ounces of cranberry juice, a half ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice, and a lime wedge. Uh, What you do is you fill an old-fashioned glass with ice, you add the vodka, the lime juice, and the cranberry juice, and then you garnish it with the lime. And you serve. Um, that sounds quite nice. Yeah, and you know, my wife drinks a lot of vodka and cranberry. It's like her favorite drink. Um, she, I don't think she normally uses like the lime or, um, or lime wedge with that particular thing, but recently she's been using, um, doing a vodka with a ginger beer and then adding some lime to it. 
Um, and I have a hard time with ginger beer because it's like I, it's I very, love ginger beer. It like burns. I don't. I, I don't know. It, it's strong to me, and so I, I can do a little bit, but too much and it like burns my mouth. Um, like I don't know. But she loves it too. She loves ginger beer. Um, but ginger can be kind of you know harsh for me. I don't know. But there you have it, guys. We're drinking a Cape Cotter, which is a pretty simple drink uh, with simple ingredients, and you should be able to enjoy it along with us, all right? Drink along. <laughs> drink along. <laughs> Tonight's movie is called Suddenly, which is a 1954 American film noir directed by Lewis Allen with a screenplay written by Richard Sale and stars Frank Sinatra, Sterling Hayden, and features James Gleason and Nancy Gates. Special train number 1019 carrying the President of the United States will arrive suddenly 5 p.m. today with Secret Service operatives arriving 115 Carney, Acting Chief, U.S. Secret Service. It's a funny sort of feeling to have control of life and death. You could miss a man if you had a mind to, or you could kill him dead in his tracks. And that made you kind of God, and I liked it. Without the gun, I'm nothing. And I never had anything before I got one. I was somebody. I'm no traitor, Sheriff. I want a silver star. Mrs. Benson? Yes? For heaven's sake, FBI. Nobody leaves the house until we do. If anybody wanted to kill the president, he could do a beautiful job of it right from this window of yours. It's now time for you to give us your famous, famous, super, sometimes famous, amazing <laughs> synopsis. Sometimes amazing. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. Let's, I can't wait to talk about Frank Sinatra's hair. I'm so excited. <laughs> but here we go. Okay. A slightly say, psychotic and charming blue eyes sees his intricate plan to assassinate the president unraveled when he starts to talk about his feelings. <laughs> Did you like that? I love it. <laughs> good. I'm glad. That was pretty good. <laughs> he did not tell. That's what it is. <laughs> it is. It's funny. 
the whole movie is Frank Sinatra and therapy. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny. <laughs> Confession time. Carly. I've only ever seen one other Frank Sinatra movie. <gasps> Which one? Um, I, I, it's famous. Okay. <clears throat> um, and. It is. And I have to get the title right here. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm hella dumb. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> IMDb to the rescue. <laughs> I mean, Frank Sinatra is the only person I love more than Humphrey Bogart, just thrown out there. Oh, man. Uh, something. I mean, clickety-click. <laughs> this is horrible. His credits are, like, fucking forever. That's because he's awesome. Oh, my God. This is terrible. I'm creating such a bad show here. Um, I'm not happy right now. Uh, okay, I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, is it Guys and Dolls? You tell me. Uh, I think it might be Guys and Dolls. Did you like it? I uh, mean, were you happy? I remember. Oh, no, wait. No, that's that's a TV series. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, wait. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've never I've never seen the original Ocean's Eleven either. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait oh, a second. The Manchurian. That. I saw the original Manchurian Candidate. Oh, yeah. I don't recall him being in there. That's all dumb. <sighs> I'm terrible. Yep. I'm awful. Pretty much. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know which one it was. <gasps> Wait, Cannonball Run 2? You are shocking. He was in Cannonball Run 2. That's crazy. Wait, and he did a guest star on Magnum P.I.? And who's the boss? What? Kidding me? You are shocking right now. I know. I'm terrible. Honestly, don't know. I, I Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I've never seen him in a movie before. Um, I don't know. This is horrible. I'm a terrible, terrible film lover. I feel like everybody's staring at me now. And it's a radio show. I hope. I really hope they are. <laughs> All right. So I just, you know what? I love the Rat Pack, though. Does that count? Yeah, I suppose. I, I did go and see a, um, a, a Rat Pack. Um, oh, hell, I don't even know what you would call it. It's uh, like a um, tribute show. Oh, shut up. Yeah, man. it was like, a, it was like a, um, a play mixed in with music. It was really cool. I'm so jealous. Um, it was Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. Or Sammy, uh, right? Sammy. <laughs> Shit. I'm so jealous. Oh, it's okay. Oh my god, my dogs are going nuts. Do you hear my dogs? Good, because they know that you've insulted Frank Sinatra's spirit. So, <laughs> so um, I was—I I didn't have a clue what this movie was about. I never heard of it. You never heard of it? No, I never heard of it. And I'm not a terribly big fan of Sinatra. He's okay, I guess. Um, it's in black and white, so you can't even see his blue eyes. No, very sad. Um, and if I hadn't known it was Sinatra, I wouldn't even know it was Sinatra. It was I don't know. I guess he got a little praise for his acting in it, but it was okay. So I think like what sort of I don't want to say it like ruined it because it definitely redeemed itself towards the end. Um, but the beginning of the movie just felt like it was like a uh, a TV show. Like it was I don't know. It just felt like it was kind of a. On the low budget or budget side, kind of like mm, a little corny in places. But then, like as it progressed, like Frank Sinatra was pretty damn violent in this, and yeah. I mean, constantly threatened to cut this kid's throat and like all this stuff. I'm like, damn. He was, he was pretty sadistic. <laughs> yeah, um, like he did not care anymore, <laughs> and I could totally see this being remade. Like this, hundred percent to me could be. Remade today wouldn't out a problem. 
um, and would probably mm-hmm. do well. Like it, it, it's, it's still valid um, in terms of like the content. Um, there was nothing about it that felt dated in that way at all. Um, the whole setup and payoff and even the, uh, the little, um, you know, plot devices like with the electrocution, all kinds of, all those things like could still 100% play today. Um, just perfectly fine. And I do know that they did a remake in like 2013, I think it was, um, with Dominic Purcell. Um, I haven't seen it, um, but I, I dread telling people who directed it, but it was directed by Yui Bowl. <laughs> um, considered probably the worst director that, you know, exists today, but um, regardless, uh, there was a remake of it and um, it, it, the movie got better for me as it went along. Um, so I was, I was pretty excited about that. I think, I think once, um, I think once Sinatra started actually kicking into high gear and with the threats and the danger kind of heightened, uh, for the family, I think it started to really kind of make more sense to me and feel less television because because the beginning I don't know, just felt too much like it was like a an episode of like I don't know uh, Andy Griffith or something <laughs> I don't know it's terrible <clears throat> but um, oh my god your dogs are very unhappy about your they hear anything outside and they go freaking nuts man it's ridiculous <clears throat> um. I mean, I'm not being funny. There's nothing better on this planet than Frank Sinatra being menacing. <laughs> I read that this is the first time that he uh, was um, hired to play like a, um, a bad guy or they called it a heavy. Yeah. yeah. And I think he did a pretty good job. Like, I, you know, for me, it's like I, I, I was able to remove the fact that it's Sinatra. Like, I didn't care that it was Sinatra. Um, and it didn't really matter to me. So, I mean, overall, I thought he did a pretty decent job, uh, doing that. Cause he was, he was scary. He was menacing, you know, up to that, a certain point. Um, and I mean, you could totally feel for this family and what they're going through. And, you know, uh, there's a certain point in the movie where, um, he, the, 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 the mother, threatens to kill him or something and he's like you you don't have the guts or whatever and then tosses her his gun and uh she can't shoot him because she's worried that after or if she misses or he doesn't die or something like that that the the kid's still going to be killed her son's still going to be killed um and i mean just there's just little moments like that that just gradually escalate and you can just it, it it has a real sense of, of fear of like, you know, uh, what uh-huh. would happen, you know, what, what would we do if that happened in our situation? Like, how would we feel? Would we take that chance and shoot him? And I'm like, fuck yeah, shoot him, shoot him. Oh yeah. The kid, maybe she misses, maybe it doesn't kill him. Maybe they get in bigger trouble. Who knows? Um, uh-huh. so I, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, as it went along, it definitely started improving quite a bit for me. That's so strange because I was hooked to him like the first freaking couple of scenes. Well, I would say that like um, the very first scene I was intrigued by because it didn't open with credits like most movies do of that time period. Mm -hmm. It opens with uh, again, and maybe that's the reason why it felt more like an episode of TV, because it just opens with the car driving by and stopping and 
um, you know, talking to the police officer for directions and talking, setting up the whole idea of the town and the town's name is suddenly. And the idea behind that is that things just kind of suddenly happen here. Otherwise, it's a quiet place kind of thing. And they bookended that and they did the same thing at the end of the movie, Uh which is all fine. But I think maybe it was that strangeness of opening with the scene opposed to the credits um, that kind of threw me off. And maybe at the time that it was released, that was sort of ingenious. I don't know, Um, because I could see that sort of being a thing, you know. Uh, much like back in like 89 when uh, Tim Burton opened Batman and changed the, I think it was Warner Brothers logo for like, you know, the first time it had ever been done sort of thing. Or the opening of uh, Indiana Jones and the Paramount logo with the mountain. You know what I mean? Just like interesting little things that mm. have never kind of been done before. Maybe that was sort of like the idea behind that at the time. I don't know. But having, you know, seen a lot of, of these um, film noirs of that time and this being, the I think, the first that I can recall that straight out the gate opens with the scene and no credits was like kind of like, huh, it feels like TV or something. But there were, there was enough to grasp onto. Um, You know, again, I I don't know. I do think that there were some plot devices that were fun um, and were set up well. Some good foreshadowing, um, such as the TV uh, mm-hmm. the, their, the family TV's broken and grandpa's trying to fix it and almost electrocutes himself. So they call the repair guy. And of course, the repair guy shows up much later on once the bad guys are in the house. And so that was some great foreshadowing to get another body in there who ends up being the guy that basically saves them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then dying himself. Um, spoiler, sorry. Whoopsie. Yeah, when you're like a hundred year old film, everybody's hopefully seen it. But, um, you know, so there's some really great foreshadowing and that leads into the foreshadowing with the electrocution and wiring the table and, and all that kind of stuff, um, which I thought was fun. Of course, wouldn't have worked because they're still wearing rubber sole shoes. So I think the full on logic behind that probably didn't work, but the idea was cool. Um, and then also the foreshadowing with the, the kid and his toy gun. Um, and I, I really loved that scene because you don't see something that plays out so well um, in these older films um, as subtly as that. Uh, the grandpa kind of faking like he's having heart problems and sending the kid in to go get his pills and him having an actual gun in his drawer. Um, and the kid's smart enough to switch the guns out and bring it back in. I just thought that was just great. Great work on the writing and directing of it. Oh, I really loved the scene where they were all dead scared that the kid, like, actually had a gun. Oh, it was funny, yeah. It was funny, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so funny and just so fucking awesome when he's just, when Frank Sinatra's just laughing about yeah. it and his mate's proper scared. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that was that was a pretty funny. There's actually quite a few little funny <laughs> moments like that in the movie. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think helps balance it out pretty well. And I was kind of surprised that his uh, his buddy that he sent back into town to kind of check, check up on things was killed. Oh, were you? Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that was going to happen. But I, I guess like looking at it, you know, from a bird's eye kind of view, it, it totally makes sense. And definitely probably would have happened in a, you know, a current movie of today. That makes sense. But I don't know. I was I was a little surprised when it happened. I, I figured... I think maybe it was because, well, why didn't he just show him his FBI badge? Didn't they show up to the house with FBI badges and stuff? <laughs> that cop wouldn't have known whether he was FBI or not. 
and he probably could have skated. Oh, that's what that is fantastic when he gets in the house and he just he gets all the information that he needs out of them in about two minutes. Flat. Right. Yeah. No, it was great and brilliant. Yeah. That brilliant. And I I don't know. I didn't realize that he wasn't. They weren't FBI at the time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that was. Um, supposed to play out that way. I mean, obviously it was different people than we saw previously, but you know, I didn't put it together that it was, those were the bad guys. Um, and, and you know, until you're supposed to. So, I mean, there, you know, yeah. for as, for as much as the beginning that I didn't, you know, I guess care for per se, it, 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 it redeemed itself as it went along and, and got better. Um, so I ended up liking it quite a bit. Um, but, uh-huh. But it just wasn't because of Frank Sinatra. It wasn't because of any particular thing. It was, I honestly just think it was the writing and the directing <gasps> that really like made it, it shine because it was one of those movies that was just well thought out in terms of that. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I, I mean, Sinatra was fine. Like, I didn't have a problem with him at all. There was nothing where I was just like, eh, I don't like him. You know, it, it, it was totally fine. But I don't know him well enough to just be like, oh, my God, it's Sinatra. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, he just, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, that didn't affect me whatsoever. Like, that could have been a nobody as far as I knew. Like, I wouldn't have recognized him as Sinatra over anybody else. Like, it wouldn't have, like, it wouldn't have mattered to me. Um, but he was totally fine in it. I thought he was good. He played the role well. I thought his character was was funny at times and tragic. Um, you know, uh, yeah. It, it, overall, I just think it came down to the writing and directing that really made it it shine in a way. I think they did a great job with the foreshadowing and setting up the plot devices and you know playing it all out. See, that's weird because I I also agree with everything that you said. However. I think that when he's talking to the camera, you know, when he goes into his monologues yeah, mm-hmm. and he's talking to the camera, that is just Frank Sinatra just shining. What a freaking menacing star he is. Honestly, terrifying. Because he's talking to you. He's, he's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that's, I think part of that it comes from you being more of a fan of him. Well, maybe. Which is totally fine. Oh, God, I'm glad. Well, I mean, like, in, in the sense of, like, that doesn't, like, for me, that doesn't make it bad or good. It doesn't change, like, my opinion per se. But I understand when somebody, you know, knows more about an actor or a musician or something like that and understands uh, the quality that they can pull off or maybe when they do something that totally amazes them, I, I completely understand that you know and not being like a sinatra fan per se um it didn't grab me as much because i mean i don't i don't really know him i don't really know much about him interesting thing for me fun fact probably not fun but a fact um i grabbed this out of a bargain bin for like two pound which is like what one dollar fifty yeah yeah so i grabbed this out of a bargain bin because i happened to have watched another frank sinatra film that was uh I think it was like Ship Ahoy or something like that. Something where he was singing and dancing and I kind of liked him. And I thought he was funny. Um, and I grabbed this because I thought, oh, Frank Sinatra. Like him. Liked him in this film. And it, oh, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> That's good. That's amazing. Honestly. And I, this is kind of the film that cemented me as a lifelong Frank Sinatra nutbag fan. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's and I think that's the best way to, you know, 
um, become fans of, of things like that is, you know, it's like it's like gateway. Yeah, because also I was I'm, I find the Kennedy kind of assassination not interesting is probably the wrong word and would probably be a bit offensive. But I do have a big interest in the Kennedy assassination. And I just thought for this film to come sort of like 10 years before it mm-hmm. is fascinating to me absolutely fascinating yeah it, it was uh i don't know if you had, i would say it's ahead of its time it definitely references you know um abraham lincoln and uh mm. you know, things like that and i i uh i read something about it being uh based off of um i don't know i'd, I'd have to look this up um, i know that supposedly lee harvey also watched this before he went and assassinated kennedy but whether that's accurate information or not, I'm not too sure. Well, from what I what I researched is that that was true, and Sinatra particularly uh, was disturbed by that, and did not want this film to continue to be uh, released or out there. Um, so there was a rumor that he was buying copies and destroying them which wow. I guess they said was actually false. Um, but the movie ended up uh, in that he was trying to stop the movie's uh, theatrical release. But in reality, the movie just came to the end of its theatrical release engagement and left theaters on its own as it was supposed to. Um, but wow. the timing was as such where it created rumors where people thought that's what was happening because of it. Um I, which is interesting, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't, I think that's, I, I don't know. I mean, that's not even the right time period to me. So I don't know if there was like a re-release of it or like what. I'm guessing so, yeah. Because it was like, what, 10, was it 10 years difference? Yeah, yeah, there was definitely. Was this 54? So, I mean, I, I just kind of, when I was reading that, I just kind of assumed like maybe there was a re-release of it or it was, you know, they had put put it yeah, back in theaters what, 54 and 64 so that's that is 10 years different yeah. 64 kennedy um th- 64 65 66 i have to i don't know this is the type of thing where you should just know what it is <laughs> it's 63 <laughs> november 22nd 1963 <laughs> so less than 10 years yeah it's yeah it's nine years apart so it had to have been some sort of like theatrical re-release or something like that because yeah. there's definitely information about there out there about Sinatra being irritated with it or not wanting it to, you know, uh, be distributed and, and whatnot. Um, and I think that might I I don't know I, it would be it'd be nice to research um, how they did theatrical stuff back there back at that time. Did they re-release stuff or did it just sort of disappear because there was no home video or, or I guess they would sell um, eight millimeter reels and 16 millimeter reels uh, for home consumption. But I think that was mostly like short films. I don't think they really did feature films back then. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. That's here I am again, always constantly. I have to look that up. Let me look that up. My Lord. I swear to God, I research, I research this stuff, but I just come up with new things that I need to research <laughs> while we're, while we're talking. So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. I think 
I love the one of the things that I I really like about this is the kind of war undertones mm. and the fact that he unravels because he ends up talking about the war basically because he, because they trigger him with a certain thing he, that's how it all unravels because if he'd have just been a badass that didn't he, didn't speak to anybody and didn't have anything to say he'd be fine he'd have shot the president no problem but because he got drawn into these triggers and defended himself and what have you that's how he unraveled because he showed his weakness right and i, I think that's um to the world's hushy policeman by the way <laughs> right <laughs> i mean he walks into a shop you should have married me we're getting married. <laughs> i mean all right love i'll buy you son a gun okay i i think that that's kind of uh what makes his character less one-dimensional like if he was he definitely wasn't the stoic quiet thug all right. He he's got issues. Um, his character is uh, he has know, a lot of freaking issues. Yeah. John Barron was a he's he's a tough guy, but it's because of what he's been through in his life. Mm. Um, and people like that, they have pressure points. And I think that's why the sheriff was so. I mean, he was obviously a very forward person anyways, but he had no qualms with like trying to find the right buttons to push with with Baron. Um, and it created a good dynamic. It was a fun dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think Haydn played that role pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that was, you know, I mean, it, it was a bit over the top, but he was trying to be he was trying to like to push and push and push till this guy broke and he, he put him off balance. Um, cause he knew, he knew that this is what was gonna, you know, probably stop what was happening or, or save the day kind of thing. Um, and it did work in the end. It did work. Yeah. I mean, again, we could have another drinking game every time Frank Sinatra mentions, was it Silver Star? Yeah, right. <laughs> Every time, he, I mean, we wouldn't make it to the end of the film. So, <laughs> <laughs> and there was something to be said. I, I, when as I was researching, I, I did come up with something about. Um, I guess the mother in the movie was a little angry about her husband dying in the war, mm-hmm. and the original story or concept this came from uh the mother was not to not have those negative feelings about the war um so i do think that the director and the writer were were creating a statement mm-hmm. um a sort of anti-war statement which is totally understandable i, I get it um uh, as opposed to what the original um idea came from which I, I i believe this came from a book or a short story or something see i like that though because the whole idea that of the war is kind of like they made a generation of murderers and then just cast them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's what I really freaking like about this is the fact that like they, they made this guy and then they sent him back out into society and pretended that he was going to be fine. He's clearly not fine, but they were like, Oh no, not our problem. Let him go do what he wants. And I think there was very little, uh, data for society to have digested at that point to know that that was going to happen. So I, I don't, ex- I don't necessarily blame the government or any of that stuff at that time for it. Yeah. You know, but after that, when we get into like Vietnam and all that kind of stuff, um, 
that's when you're like, hey, you're just repeating the same damn mistakes again. And that's where we get movies like Rambo, which is basically the same thing as this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not a home invasion movie and Rambo still is more of a respectable or upstanding person, I guess, in a way. But, um, you know, the, the concept and the idea behind the war creating a monster and just throwing him back into society is is still the basis of that film, what, 30 years later? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so th- we obviously did not learn from our mistakes. And then we're seeing it. We saw it again with Desert Storm. And now we're seeing it again, you know, uh, with the, um, oh, what's the other more recent war? I can't think of what we call it. But anyway, um, so it's we're not learning from our mistakes. And that's that's the sad part. And we have all these broken people because of it. Uh-huh. And we're not taking care of them. You know, so you're absolutely right on that, Carly. It's that 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 is one of the um, fascinating points of this movie that I think uh, yeah. would definitely help it be uh, a film that could be made today. And because he constantly unravels because his trigger is kind of like you're not a war hero, and he's like fucking yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, because he did everything he was asked to do. Exactly, he did what he was asked to do. He did his job, and he's like, this is what I've become, and. If you don't like it, this is what you made me. And that's how he unravels because he actually opens his soul out to people and they kind of manipulate it in a way that's for the positive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, poor Frank Sinatra. Fucking, <laughs> I, I absolutely love the code word as well, hangover. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that is genuinely my, that's my code word for anything. <laughs> nice. Hangover. If I say hangover, guys, shit's getting real. <laughs> I love the police are like code word hangover <laughs> best code word ever yeah I'd have to agree with that I like that too that was funny <laughs> is there anything you didn't like about the movie uh, do you know what I'm I'm a bit skewed though because the Kennedy assassination fascinates me and I'd freaking potentially love Frank Sinatra a little bit just a fraction more than Humphrey Bogart which is oh, really? sad to say, yeah, I know a lot of people are going to hate me. But I feel like I have a tiny fraction more love for Frank Sinatra than Humphrey Bogart. And this isn't a, on a purely uh, physical good looks kind of sense? No, no, I genuinely, I love everything about Frank Sinatra. I love his music. I love him. I love his films. I love his songs. I, If Humphrey Bogart sang, then... That'd be a contest, but he doesn't. You know he had a massively bad temper, right? I, I, I mean, he's my spiritual animal. I feel like he is. Um, <laughs> I don't think you have a bad temper at all. No, I, I, <laughs> there's something about Frank Sinatra that I just, I can't explain, but I adore. And I think it's his temperament for, like, just people. Huh. I genuinely uh, think that. Um, but I, 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 Mm. Humphrey Bogart and Frank Sinatra is a very, very close call for me. But I think that Frank Sinatra potentially edges him out a little bit. Well, I just know that he had, um, and I don't know a whole lot about him, but I I do know that uh, it's been said that he's had a massively bad temper. I mean, have you spoke to me when I'm mad? I mean, I have a massive fucking Well, I have, but it's different. Like, I try be nice, though, because, you know, I like you guys. <laughs> I mean, but I'm, I'm saying, like, it seems like there's some people that um, get mad 
just because they're an angry person. And then there's other people that get mad for real reasons. And I feel like you're more of a person that gets mad for real reasons. I don't know. I am quite an angry person in general, so. Maybe. Maybe you guys are spirit animals. I don't know. <laughs> Do you feel like you're a Jekyll and Hyde? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little tiny bit. I just, I, I've seen a lot of Frank Sinatra films and this is the bomb for me. This just shows why people should love him as much as I do. And if you don't, screw you. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it could be because I'm, you know, I'm fascinated with other things. And there's a couple of other things that seep in my brain to affect this film. So, eh, I don't know. I'll be interested to hear your rating on it. Um, of whether I like it or not? Is that what you mm-hmm, mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, are we at that point? Do we want to? Do we want to grade this thing? Or I mean, we could. It's up to you. Balls in your court, love. <laughs> All right. So I guess you know. I laughed at myself when I was first watching it because it felt like it was a bit of a TV show. All right, when it first opened, but it didn't ruin it for me. Okay. Again, as the movie progressed, it got better and it got better and it got better. And again, it, none of that was based on Sinatra. Like, I don't know, maybe I need to see more films that he's done. Maybe. Um, I'm, I primarily only know him from singing, um, you know, and I don't, I'm not even really that great with him. I, I like the Rat Pack, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't delve in too deep with that. But uh, so it wasn't really a basis for me in terms of whether I liked the movie. You know, I didn't dislike him. I didn't so is this where you tell me that you did not steal a piece of sofa that Frank Sinatra sat on? I did not know. What? No, I didn't see the real Rat Pack. I mean, you didn't open a piece of couch for me? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, whatever. Carry on. Um, all right. So um, I I don't know. I'm, I was intrigued by this movie because it felt like it was so now. Like it could totally be a movie that comes out now. And that impresses me a lot. Um, I'm surprised that the movie fell in the public domain. Um, I don't know if you knew that, but it's in the public domain. Um, really? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to have to give this movie a solid seven. <gasps> what? Is Why? that good or bad? I'm not happy with that. No? No. This is like LA Confidential all over again. What? My, my LA Confidential was a 10. Yeah, Rolls Reverse. Oh, Rolls Reverse. Okay, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I liked it. I thought it was a competent, well-made movie. Um, you know, it wasn't... Uh, hmm, it didn't... Uh, I don't know. It, it didn't like... I didn't walk away from this going, damn, that was a great movie. Or, <gasps> damn, there was like amazing performances in it. It was all right. Really? Yeah, like like I loved what they did. I thought it ended up being a great movie. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, um, you know, in the end. But uh, yeah, it didn't. I it didn't like. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't just make me uh, jump out of my seat and say, "Wow, this is this is phenomenal." Um, you know, I think as far as like camera work goes, it was pretty bland. I think the a- acting was was fairly average. Um, I didn't wasn't nothing I was terribly impressed with. 
the greatest thing I really think was the the uh, script and the direction, specifically in terms of um, how they worked out the foreshadowing and the plot devices. I, th I thought they did a, a great job doing that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it was a it was an average movie that was probably better than most average movies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> I am so... I don't want to say offended. I'm so You're upset. offended. <laughs> I'm upset, upset on behalf of Frank Sinatra's estate. Oh, right. no. Um, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have words. Because I... Pers again, the plot... I could be tapping into my whole I love the Kennedy assassination and blah, 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 because I do. Um, so that's a massive draw for me straight away is that I find it so interesting that this film came out 10 years beforehand and then it kind of foreshadowed a realistic thing that happened. Um, I just, I genuinely, I, I know we always bang on about actors, but there's not many actors, joking aside, that I can say that I think pull it in. And I genuinely think that Frank Sinatra, to be fair, I think everybody, not just Frank Sinatra, I think everybody in this film pulled it in and did a freaking fantastic job. There's not one person that you can fault that I would say in this film at all. They were all amazing. Even the freaking repair guy, even a TV repair guy that came in, and ended up getting bloody shot. They were all fantastic. I think the casting was amazing. I think they were, the dialogue was just so sharp. They were just so on it. It was, I just thought it was brilliant from start to finish. I really genuinely do. I think that's fantastic. I, I you know, I, I would have to agree with you. I think the cast was pretty good. The wife was amazing. The kid was amazing. Even the annoying cop that's the best cop in the world that wants to marry fucking everybody and decides he's going to marry them. Even, even he, being a prick, ended up being good. You know, everybody, even the granddad that had a story for everything that depressed people the first two minutes he started talking. <laughs> Even he was amazing. Like, in the end, it all ended up working out, and I thought they were fantastic. And I genuinely think that this is like, if you're ever going to say, why should I like Frank Sinatra? Fucking watch this. <laughs> don't care about his singing. Don't care about anything else. Watch that film and tell me you don't like Frank Sinatra. Right. Because I genuinely do not understand how you cannot watch this film and not appreciate him because he stole the fucking show he really did <laughs> i don't not appreciate him i just didn't find it to be as i think it i mean when you have a well-written script like that um you know obviously finding the right actor helps quite a bit I think it was everything came into line to make this fantastic. So it was like direction was perfect. Script was amazing. Frank Sinatra was the fucking bomb. All the supporting cast were amazing. I think it all fell into line. To be, and to be fair, I'd say potentially the last act is where it let it down. Really? Because it was very, very tense until the last act. 
But even the last act wasn't necessarily bad. It was just not as it was just not as amped up as potentially other films of the time were. Wow. And I'm I'm the exact opposite. Well, when you think about like the desperate hours and stuff like that, their last act was fucking boom. It was very it was very amped up. It was very in your face. When you compare it to films like that, yes, okay, the last act was a little bit more slow going for the outcome. Mm-hmm. It was more of a tense build, but it didn't take anything away from it, I would say, personally. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I, I feel you. I totally understand. I get where you're coming from. And you still give it a what? Seven? Yeah, I still give it a seven. I, I, I think it's a good movie. I mean, I, I like it. I, it didn't, um, it, you know what I think? I think maybe I. We have you here over Frank Sinatra. No, I think maybe I just, I didn't, I didn't enjoy Sinatra as much in this movie because the, the film itself was more about real issues. Okay. You know, like, like it was, it had a purpose. It had a, it had a, um, you know, a meaning behind it and that they were trying to get across, you know, about PTSD and um, how we treat our soldiers and things like that, mm-hmm. which I think overshadowed the fact that it was Sinatra. So okay. in my brain, I think that's that's where I automatically went to because I don't I don't particularly enjoy war films or movies that are about it. I, I think I got really burnt out on them. Um, at some point, just because there were so many being made at the time and a lot of them were kind of the same. Um, so seeing a movie like this where it's not in a war setting, but it's still about war and the issues that relate to that. Um, and there is no real war going on in this movie helped a lot and helped to be able to focus on those issues that they wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, see, I felt this was kind of like a blueprint for the Manchurian candidate, if that makes sense. It was kind of like if that character had carried on and got away, mm-hmm. that's who he'd be. Which is quite likely because he also, you know, produced that, um, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, he had some love for that kind of genre as well and the, those ideas. And I mean, that would make total sense. But uh, I think that those story elements and those ideas probably kind of for not foreshadowed, but um, over overshadowed the fact that it was Sinatra or even his acting or whatnot, um, you know. And 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 I think that's okay. I think that's totally that's totally fine to to have the story be more important than any of its given parts. I, I think that makes the movie more impressive. That I way. feel like this kind of maybe set the blueprint for stuff like The Desperate Hours. Yeah, I mean. I guess so. I mean, again, I just feel like a movie like this is way more personal. Mm. You know, so it's it's kind of it's different. Um, and, and again, I, I, you know, that that's my whole reasoning of it overshadowing the fact that it's Sinatra is like it, because the script and the story is way more personal, and that's really more important than whoever's playing the role. You know, almost like a biography kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they like to throw stars in those films to try to get people in the seats, but it's really the story that should be front and center. Like uh, recently, uh, Mark Ruffalo um, in uh, Dark Waters. I was so impressed with that film because 
Mark Ruffalo made himself so understated. You know, he wasn't trying to win an Academy Award. He wasn't trying to overshadow the story. You know, and you almost forget that attempt. Mm -hmm. Becoming so invested in the idea and the story that that becomes front and center over the actor. And that's when I truly feel like art is doing its job fully. It's no yeah. longer like a popcorn culture. It's like we're telling something that's important and you're really investing your mind and your your senses to it. Um, and I feel like this is that kind of movie like that, especially probably the time period that it came out. And you could say it's ahead of its time. It's 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 one of those stories that will, I mean, we're, we can understand right now today and it fully fits in, in today's society. Um, and that's that's amazing to me to have a film like that and like, you know, um, still be completely relevant. So it's it's got its – it definitely has its appeal and its amazingness to it. Um, but as a film as a whole, like it didn't like – it didn't impress me in terms of like Citizen Kane or something. Like there's a lot of technological things that were just amazing that were done for like the first time or, you know, stuff like that. Like it didn't – they they let the story speak for itself and it it's it's a good well told story and that's the way it should be i wouldn't want it to be like a big you know film that is overshadowed by other stuff you know i don't think it would have made it more important you know if that makes sense i don't know does that make sense oh, yeah. no yeah i can yeah i can understand what you're saying that yeah i think if it was like such a big deal that it was sinatra or such a big deal like it won 25 billion academy awards it would completely overshadow the point is, is the idea. Like, I think it being what it is, is perfectly more, you know, better and more authentic, um, for that story than to be something bigger than, than that. So, uh, gens out of gens, uh, seven gens out of 10 for me. And, and what are you going to do, Carly? Did you tell us? It's going to, it's obviously going to be a 12 out of 10, right? I mean, I think I'm going to throw out a uh, torn between a nine and a ten. Ooh, um, this is interesting. I'm torn between a nine and a ten very badly. Um, because I feel like a ten is because I love Frank Sinatra so much. Mm-hmm. Perhaps okay, I'm adding an extra gin just because it's him. Yeah, you're trying to keep your emotions at bay. Here. Yeah. I get it. All right. The film itself, I feel like, is potentially an eight or a nine. Okay. So if I say the film is an eight, then add an extra gin for Frank Sinatra, that's a nine. So I'm going to go nine out of ten. All right. No, that's perfectly respectable. And that yeah. makes me feel better about my rating because I don't think we're too far off, especially if you're rating the film on its own as an eight. Yeah. We're only one bottle of gin away. Yeah. <laughs> right? I feel, yeah, eight, eight out of ten gin to the film, an extra nine because it's Frank Sinatra, so yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and I totally get that. I love this actor and he makes the movie better for me kind of thing. I'm that way with like yeah. Lance Henriksen. Like anything that I'll see him in is like, you know, I know a lot of people Boom. say this, it's but amazing. it's true. Yeah, yeah. He, he could take the complete pile of crap film and he elevates it just being in it because he has this gravitas to him. This you know, aura, that, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I totally get that. So I, I, call, I totally understand that idea by, uh, you know, 
loving an actor that can, you know, do that for you. Guy Pierce, on the other hand, is not is not one <laughs> that I would see Trigging. as being that. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I only got to bring him up because I just saw him in Bloodshot, which is you know he was fine in it. It wasn't a you know, was <laughs> he didn't right. ruin it. No, okay. he didn't ruin it. It was fine. <clears throat> it was a good movie. All right, well there we have it. We have uh, seven out of ten gens and a nine out of ten, and we now know that Carly loves Sinatra, Old Blue Eyes, better than she loves uh, a bogey, which is yeah. surprising the hell out of me. Jesus, these confessions are devastating. I know. Can't help it, man. Right. I think that I'm going to have to go back and watch some more Sinatra movies, though. Oh, please do. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to because, you know, I I feel like there's some holes in my viewing. <laughs> he just he genuinely just makes me happy. When I listen to his songs, he makes me happy. When I watch him in a film, he just makes me happy. Even if he's being an asshole and he's killing people, I don't care. He makes me happy. <laughs> I don't care. Kill the people. It's fine. Right. <laughs> they weren't on board. It's fine. Same as, same as Humphrey Bogart. Kill the people. It's fine. I don't care. At least Humphrey Bogart seemed to be like a good person outside of the <laughs> film world. You know what I mean? Frank Sinatra seems like he was a major asshole. <laughs> Well, maybe, but, you know, I gravitate towards arseholes, so it yeah. potentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my social gathering, maybe that has an effect. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it, guys. That's Suddenly, starring Frank Sinatra. Um, if you guys want to leave us a message, you can give us a call at 818-643-1441. Maybe suggest us a movie to watch or tell us how wrong we are with our opinions. And... Uh, how we can make the uh, podcast better for you. And I guess I, I guess that's it for tonight, Carly. Um, mm-hmm. We will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. this week on the speakeasy noir cast make sure to visit our website resurrectionfilms.net where you can subscribe to the show on itunes stitcher or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show while you're at it if you found value in the show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out too if you like the show you might want to check out our book the dark side of acting up available now on amazon or you can check out one of our films available on amazon prime 